This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Welcome to Reimagine Law. In today's episode, what I'm going to be doing is thinking about some topics that actually came out of a conference I attended yesterday. It was an annual learning in law conference, and it was thinking about all of the development topics that lawyers are thinking about at the moment. So what were some of those topics? Well, it took me back to the skills kit series that we did last year. So I just wanted to revisit some of those topics here. So four areas that it really reminded me of in all those conversations at the conference yesterday were topics such as having resilience and agility, especially coming out of the pandemic, and also how agile we've all needed to be. But how do you build that resilience? We looked at that in one of the episodes last year. Now, related to that, you know, to build your resilience and to be agile, for me, it touches on that topic of emotional intelligence. How self-aware are we? Which also links to another podcast on reflective practice, because you need to stop and think. So if we stop and think, we have our antennae out and actually build that self-awareness. We also did an episode in the Skills Kit series where we looked at personal brand and impact. And I guess for me, in my mind, I go from thinking, okay, if I'm being self-aware, one of the aspects I'm thinking about is how do I land with other people and how do I come across to other people? What's my brand? What's the impact I want to have? But what's the impact I am having currently? And do I need to adjust and use my self-awareness to build my skill levels in those areas? So there's just four areas. We hope you enjoy listening to these. Welcome back to our skill set, and this time we're talking about resilience and agility. And I'm here joined with Nigel and Simon. So let's kick off. What is resilience? What do we mean by that? Hmm. Okay, well, I'll, I'll share a thought first, Fran. What comes into my mind immediately is bouncing back. So bouncing back when perhaps you've, you've done something that's tricky or, or you've had a tricky experience. That would, that would be one thought, Fran, to kick off with. Yeah, I love the term bounce back ability. Um, uh, and it's about bouncing back stronger as well. And, and the key to stronger is that, you know, it's not kind of grr, stronger, it's about learning from it, you know, and, and, and I think that's a really important part of, of resilience. We're always going to get knocked down, you know, things are never, we're not going to go through life and never fail at anything. So it, it's that ability to learn, I think, from what's happened. Um, that's where the bounce back stronger for me comes from um, that, that you've learned. I want to mix it up a little bit and just suggest that perhaps you could be resilient from positive experiences as well. You know, imagine if you're promoted and that starts to bring more pressure and stress. Does that also require a level of resilience? Fran, Fran that's a really interesting thought. And I think the way we, we've hinted in a few of these skill things about the way you think about something. And I think, as you just said about the optimism point, perhaps there's a phrase in your, to keep in your head of, and what could go right about this? Or how could this go right? As well as, as you say, being a bit worried about something sometimes. And Simon, just on your thought of failure, actually, it made me think of that, that fun thing we sometimes say of the word fail, F-A-I-L. You know, think of it as first attempt in learning. And, and that point of actually having a learning mindset as well, which is quite fun as well. So how would our listeners help build their resilience? Um, we've all lived through COVID or are living through COVID. So to some extent, that's the obvious example. But what kinds of characteristics or traits might somebody who has a resilient character also have? Yeah, I, th I think that's I, I think it's something you can learn. Yeah, I think that's really important as well. It's not something you're born with um, or have to be born with. But, but in terms of how you develop it, 
again, I'm going to look at it from a slightly different standpoint. Be really adventurous in what you set out to do because you will fail more often. And if you fail more often and seek to learn from it, you will become more effective, but also you will become more resilient. We talk a lot about fail fast and learn fast. My team's go, oh God, that didn't work. I'm like, listen, I've got no problem with it not working. It means you were trying something new. You know, that's absolutely great. I do then say, just don't make the same mistake again. You know, learn from it. And I've got no issue. So in a funny kind of way, you know, um, find, find, set yourself up for things you're not quite sure you're going to be able to deliver on because that will provide you opportunities to learn. I think it's a great thought. And I was just thinking of some practical things that, that people could try. I think, Simon, you've given them some a great point already, just trying something new or, or you know, sometimes when I think we're given like a, a project to do and sometimes there's, oh, and if you want to, you could also try this bit as well, or you could try doing a bit of an extension thing here or a bit something different. Go for it and try it because it's, the, as you say, Simon, on the learning point, that is when you will learn about yourself. You know, I've done so many sessions where I always used to ask this question in a session for the leaders as they came through. And I said, oh, and by the way, when did you learn most in your career? And every time they would say, do you know what? It was when I was thrown in the deep end or when I tried something for the first time. And they always, always say that. So you're absolutely right, Simon. The best way to build resilience is to see something as a challenge, but to something, hey, I want to have a go at that. Um, Forbes uh, came up with a few characteristics um, and a few traits that different people have um, who have resilience. And one was to have an, an optimism, so an optimistic mindset and have a focus on the end goal and, and also humour, which I thought was quite interesting. I wouldn't have necessarily thought that humour was a way to develop and to build um, resilience. Um, often mentors or coaches being involved in someone's experience. And I know, Nigel, you're a big advocate um, of coaching. Um, but that idea of a support network is perhaps something that we can all get behind to help us in moments when we need to be um, resilient. Um, and also this idea of having a, a bigger and a, a grander set of values or morals and that end goal, that larger piece that's bigger than the incident that you're bouncing back from. <laughs> yeah. I think there's so many great points in, in there that, that you reference. I, I, nice, I'm sure you'll talk about that mentoring piece, but but it also links in, I think, to one of the other skills episodes we're doing around collaborating. You know, get feedback from others about why you know things didn't quite work or why did they work. Come back to your point about you know become more resilient through the, the, through things that that go well. I think humour is a really great one. I, I think to kind of last stuff off. Um, is a great way of helping you move forward um, because, you know, it, it happens to everybody. You're the, the most successful people. What's that Thomas Edison and his light bulb? I found a thousand ways that light bulb wouldn't work to, to find a way that, that, that it would work. I'm terribly misquoting, but you, you get the point. It's those things that are important. That optimism piece, I challenge that a little bit, I think, because the worry I think I have of that one is if you're not an optimist, you can't be resilient. So I think I'd probably challenge Forbes on that one. You know, we are who we are uh, as people. Uh, and I think it's finding ways. Should we develop optimism to be forward thinking? <laughs> that would work. Because that might be more all encompassing. Yeah, great point. Yeah, what about the mentoring piece, Nigel? Because I know that's something you're really passionate about. Yeah, I think I've always seen a massive value in, in, in absolutely in terms of resilience thing here that, that we're talking about in, in this episode. The point around where can I where can I connect with someone who's seen that next horizon that I'm looking at? And I think that thought of actually 
who's two or three years ahead of me? And I think when we decide, it's a really good point, Simon. The way that I often found mentoring sort of structures worked really well, on, and especially from the mentees, from the junior person, was that oh, it was really helpful to have that point of view of um, someone who had tried that thing before, who was a few years ahead of me. Actually, on one of the degrees we do, we have some students go into a, a firm on a placement assignment. And one of the things they said was, oh, do you know what was one of the most fascinating things? I was sitting next to someone a few years ahead of me, and they had this lovely phrase, said, and it was like a snapshot into my future. And it was a lovely way of thinking about it, but it was a lovely phrase. It was almost saying the power of actually being able to chat through with someone, it made me much more resilient and gave me a sense of, it's okay. Actually, I can see a future here. And they often say, don't they, that that almost thing of picturing or imagining that either things that, you know, visualization, imagining yourself succeeding at something or imagining yourself. And they said it was great because actually I could sit there and imagine myself in a few years time being in that seat. Uh, a part of this is also about accepting and knowing who you are, um, including what your own limitations are, so that you know how far you can go within certain boundaries, but being creative and forward thinking to stretch what you think those limitations are. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and I think the other piece about, you know, engaging with talking to people who've kind of that, that bit further on, you can learn from their experiences. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, if I think about the various people I've worked with over the years and, and bosses I've had, um, I've got, I always, whenever I read, catch up with them, I'm always saying to them, you know, I learned loads of stuff from you, of good stuff that you do, but also not so great stuff that you've done. So it's that learning from, from, from other people is really useful. And the other piece, I think the advantage of connecting with people a bit that, that bit further ahead is, is they will, if you've got a good relationship with them, they'll share their failures along the way. And I think that just helps us feel a bit better when we come across those failures ourselves and that enables us to be to, to be more resilient um, uh, because we know other people who've been on a similar journey that we're about to go on have had hurdles that they've tripped on uh, along the way. Simon, just to move us on to agility, if, if I can, how does that resilient mindset and learning from others link with having greater agility in the workplace yeah i think it's a it's a really great point and if i maybe try and link it back to the beginning that bounce back ability is bounce back in a slightly different direction you know so there's that expression about beating your head against the wall you know or if you always do what you've always done you'll always get what you've always got so part of that agility is just finding a slightly different way to then reapproach it which comes back to the, you know, the, the creativity podcast that we talked about. It's find a different way. The place you're trying to get to is the same, but that route didn't work. So bounce back, but bounce back at a slightly different angle to approach it a different way. And I think that's where the agility can come in. Running water down a garden path of stones and it finding a different route. That's, a, that's what immediately comes to my mind. Yeah, Nigel. Couldn't agree more. I mean, the... The agility point is really interesting, I think, um, Simon and Fran, because going back to, to skill sets, and I'm thinking, you know, clients are often asking firms for this, organisations are trying to find this, and, and as you know, if someone says in an interview again, you know, just think of that, you know, well, give me an example of where you've shown agility. I think, as you say, Simon, that idea of, well, actually, I tried something two different ways, actually, and we, we thought of doing a project, and actually, we were doing a project at school, or I was doing a project here now at college, and actually, we just thought of three different options of doing it, and and boy, did I learn from doing that, because one of them was massively outside my comfort zone. And so I had a go at it. And yeah, it went OK. But actually, but at least I'm developing my mindset of, do you know what? I can think of different ways of trying something. And I think that agile, that agility point, you know, that, that's where I see it, Fran. 
Fantastic. And I think the main takeaway from this episode is really that failure can be a positive thing. It doesn't have to be viewed in that negative way. Yeah. Um, and we all have visions of ping pong balls bouncing around um, after listening to this. Brilliant. Thanks ever so much. Welcome to our next skills episode in Reimagine Law. So now Simon and I are going to be talking about self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Again, Simon, things that people are really looking for in the workplace and skills that our listeners, I'm sure, will be thinking, OK, I keep getting asked that question. So what am I supposed to do about developing that? Um, where should we start? Well, let's start maybe with trying to define what it is. You know, self-awareness, I think probably a fair, most people will understand. But emotional intelligence is an awareness of both how you are perceived uh, uh, when you are communicating with other people. And that's obviously through our tone of voice, through our body language, people with, with, with strong emotional intelligence. And again, this is absolutely something you can develop. But people with strong emotional intelligence, mm. they understand how they are perceived when they are in different situations interacting with, with, with different people. That's how I would define yeah. it, Nigel. I think that's right. It's almost about what is the experience of me that other people have when I'm with them? in a way isn't it it's you know it's that connection point I think isn't it which is really interesting and one person once said to me Nigel how many people do you actually ask when you've either been in a meeting with them or you know afterwards you've done a little talk or a presentation or something how often do you have almost like either you set it up in advance and have like a friend in the audience where afterwards you say to them by the way how did that come across or you know how does that how does that work when I do that you know that sometimes I think that's a great thing to do again breadth of perspective Absolutely. It's all about understanding the, the impact that we have through the, the way you communicate, the way you interact with people, you know, the eye contact you have, all those kinds of things. It's, it's understanding that all those things impact how people perceive us. So I think you're right, always checking in with, with trusted sources and not always trusted sources who are always nice to you. But no, those that's trusted, a really those good critical point. friends, you know, Nigel, those people who will won't be afraid to say actually when you said that it had this impact because we need to know we don't just need people who are going to stroke our egos we, we need people who are going to you know to 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 help us grow and, de- and develop and, and we need all the different types of feedback to help us do that now just on that last point so it reminds me of, you know through many years of, of working in different places when we did all like the the annual reviews the annual appraisals at the end of the year we actually did, you know, sometimes you had to encourage people, but actually encouraging them to get points of view and not just, as we used to say, cherry pick which bits of feedback they were getting was, was quite important. But but yeah, again, go as wide as possible, I think. As you say, people perhaps you're less close to or you, yeah, you, you, you feel you're quite different to. Again, it's a great way of actually building relationships and building the strength of your network as you go around that as well. Because, but I think, Simon, this is really important, actually. It just made me think of working internationally as well. You know, and many people will be applying for jobs sometimes when they'll be an international. Or, I mean, I'll just give you an example. When I was, you know, doing my studies, I spent two years in Athens. And having grown up in, in the UK, where I, I'd, I'd literally been not off the island of Britain for all the holidays growing up till then, you know, all the, all the ways then, you know, around, you know, wonderful place in Scotland or Cornwall or wherever it was. But I've never been somewhere as different as Athens. So, boy, when I got off the plane there and I started realising... Oh, that's rather interesting they do things very different here it's all based around relationships that breadth of different people see this in different ways and i need to i need to almost manage a little bit how i come across in different ways or to different audiences while still being myself but still think about how i come across 
I think that's absolutely right. And it goes to the heart of why is this important? Why is it important for you to have good self-awareness? Why is it important for you to develop emotional intelligence? And it's important exactly for the reason you talked about, Nigel, which is relationships. Mm. And it's why, you know, we need to be able to build relationships in the workplace with our colleagues, with our clients, with our suppliers, in our personal lives, with our friends and our family and so on and so forth. So that ability to build relationships is a crucial part of how we develop, how we grow, how we have networks, how we get on, all those kinds of things. And so understanding how we come across to different people. Mm. Uh, and and being and adapting how we communicate and engage with people to come across in a way that's going to help us build the relationship is so important it's why we see so many companies focusing more and more on when they're hiring people when they're developing people within an organization supporting them and, and equipping them to to build relationships and a key part of that is that emotional intelligence there was a a great expression i heard years and years ago which is people buy people first yeah very good point. You know, if you want to persuade someone around to your point of view, if you want you know, people to buy something for you or buy into an idea or whatever it happened or persuade someone to do something, if they don't like you, it's really hard <laughs> to make anybody do something. But yes. if they like you, there's a much better chance that they will do that. And people will like you because you built a relationship with them and mm. you build a relationship by understanding yourself and the way that you communicate and using your emotional intelligence mm. your understanding of your emotions and how you come across to build relationships with the different kinds of people i think that's why it's so important nigel i think that's right you get more forgiveness don't you from people you know where you have that closeness of connection the whole thing around you know it's empathy it's it links to good judgment as well you know if you really know how you come across and land in an audience you know one little again one little tip or trick that, that some someone said to me once they said oh in meetings or if you're in an interview if you've just given an answer to something a little tip is sometimes say does that make sense or do you know how, how what do you think you know actually getting their point of view but almost like having a little phrase that helps you check in with the audience yeah i, I think that's a that's a really great point that checking in constantly you yeah. know not every other word but you know but, yeah. but that checking is important i think the other piece is um uh, yeah, and I'll give a very personal example uh, from an emotional intelligence and self-awareness point of view. I naturally, as in, in my personality is I'm fast-paced and I'm action-orientated. So that's what I'm naturally like. Mm. Um, when I come into contact with people who aren't as fast-paced and action-orientated with me, there are signs that I get. So usually the pace of their voice is a bit slower, mm. usually a bit quieter. They ask more kind of why questions, not how am I going to get there? What do you want? <laughs> you know, so so when I come into contact with people like that, I adjust my style to help me build that relationship with that individual. And to your point, I'd be doing much more checking in with those mm. kinds of individuals because they're interested in the why and that, you know, and so on, rather than just get me there, Simon. So, you know, that would be an example of how. Uh, you know, the, from what I've learned around emotional terms, how I use it, because it comes to self-awareness of myself. Yeah. So I know what I'm like naturally. And if I want to build relationships with a broad variety of different kinds of people, which I absolutely do, mm. then I need to use uh, my understanding of how I operate and how I communicate to, to align with who I'm engaging with to build that relationship. 
I think that's a really key point, that point of adjusting. You know, again, another tip we used to give people is almost just before you may be walking down a corridor to go into the room, before you go into a room, a meeting, an interview, whatever it is, or probably clicking on a button these days, the way it is at the moment, click on a button to enter a virtual room. You know, but just always have that stop and think moment, say, okay, what do I want to say? What are my first 10 or 15 seconds actually of this? You know, how do I want to come across and who's in the room? Who do I know is in the room? Oh, I know one person. I don't know two others. Fine. Okay. But if you know how, you know, so how am I going to be in that interaction with people? And your point of adjusting there, Simon, is a really great one, I think. For me, I, I think that the, the reflections I have around motion terms, it starts with understanding yourself, mm. you know, and, and how you are and how you communicate your style. And if you are keen to build relationships with people, because that's why you want to do it, is making those adjustments, doing those check-ins. It's not about changing who you are. It's not about changing your personality. Mm. You know, that's how people often talk about building empathy, you yes. know, with people rather than being sympathetic for someone. You know, it, it's about building empathy with people. And it's about using your understanding of yourself, your understanding of others, to ensure that you're perceived in the way that you want to be perceived and that gets to the heart of that self-awareness and emotional intelligence i think that's a brilliant way to end simon great thanks very much indeed so fran we're going to address the topic of reflection it's probably not one that jumps into people's minds as something they should develop or even focus on so is this important Oh, Nigel, this is hugely important. And I've got to say, I think it is really overlooked sometimes by people starting out on their career. Um, it really is the essence of what turns surface learning into deep learning and starts you off on that journey, you know, of becoming what we always say, that lifelong learner. Um, and I think it's really important to understand that reflection means different things to different people. And that's OK. I mean, there are some, some writings on it that I'm sure we'll come to. Another thing just to highlight is that there are really two fundamental differences in two different types of reflection. You've got here reflection in action. So mm. potentially, you know, you're given a presentation and you're reading the audience, aren't receiving it a certain way. So you, you adapt mm. and you, you refocus that agility piece that we were talking about in one of the other episodes um, on this skill set. But the other type of reflection is reflection on action, which is perhaps the one that most people would traditionally oh, okay. think of as reflection. So, you know, us looking back at the end of recording this episode and, and thinking and digesting yeah. about how it went. So an after the event reflection. Mm. Yeah, and that takes me to the thought of feedback as well, Fran, and, and the power of that, as you say. And so do you think it's a mix of almost reflecting yourself, but almost getting other perspectives as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, that idea of reflection in a community is so important. Uh, okay. um, yeah. and, and there's some writing on this, actually, Nigel. Um, there's a philosopher from back in the 1940s called John Dewey, um, who I've got to say I'm a little bit obsessed with. So <laughs> forgive me while I talk about it. But, you know, he... There were four real key characteristics um, about his writings on reflection uh, that came out. One of them is that reflection is best done in the community. You know, um, you change the community you're in, but also that community changes you. You can have that peer-to-peer -peer reflection and discussion. Others are there to, to assist you and to help you. And it really stops it becoming a process that's in your head. You know, reflection can otherwise be quite mm. self-absorbing and quite selfish. You know, it's just happening mm. and, mm. and all-encompassing. So it helps you to ground what you're doing. Mm. Do you know, Fran, that's, that makes me think of something. that They always say, don't they? I was reading a book a few months ago. There was a really interesting book um, that came out all around. And part of it was all around the story we tell ourselves in terms of how we form our points of view. And 
I guess that one of the powers just makes me think one of the powers of actually reflecting, as you say, as a group, as part of a community, for want of a better word, is perhaps you hear a slightly different story actually about, oh, well, actually, perhaps I come across like that, or perhaps I should think about that slightly differently, because it was great to hear Fran's point of view on that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, perhaps challenges our assumptions a bit. Reflection is a process, you know, it's it's a doing word, it's a verb, you have to do something to yeah, it. Yeah. But it's also yeah. a set of attitudes, you know. Um, again, sorry to harp back to my good old friend, Dewey, um, <laughs> but you've got the wholeheartedness you've got to embrace from reflection and you've got to be direct with yourself. And let's be quite clear, you've got to be open-minded and ready to receive information that perhaps you didn't necessarily want to receive. Um, mm. There's a sort of readiness you need to come to reflection with um, that, that, that helps you. It's not supposed to be an easy thing. You know, yeah. this isn't sitting down and mulling over what's happened. There's a there's a fixed process to how you do it. Um, and that might be different for each of us, but it still has to be that process. Do you know, I was just going to come to that, Frank, you know, for our listeners thinking about how you do it. So let's go to the how a bit. I'll just give one example that comes to my mind, but then I'll flick it across to you. So one, I remember on one course, what we encourage people to do and these were very time poor people. There's no sorry phrase. Um, people who were very busy and so didn't have much time to reflect. So how did they do their learning? So I was very keen to encourage them to do more reflection. And one little tip and trick we got them to do was this thing called the again a phrase journaling, which basically means writing down. So, but what they found was it was very helpful. These were very senior leaders, so very experienced people. But they said they got so much out of something so simple. They said every Friday, about three or four o'clock. They all put in their diaries five minutes just to actually jot down, okay, what went well this week? Or what did I try in that meeting? Or what did I try when I was doing that presentation? Or what did I try when I was doing that, that module that I was doing now? And actually they said, it's so triggered a series of thoughts saying, oh, okay, I tried that. Oh, do you know what? That's, that's, that's something I should try differently. And, you know, that's, I have to say, that's one thing that when I train to do as a coach, as you know, you know, I've trained as a, as a coach. One of the things you do after each session, it's part of your accreditation and your best practice, is you do a sort of reflective notes after each session. And it's really helpful to do that. So for me, Fran, just, just to get us going on the how, there's one thing there perhaps about jotting stuff down, but I'm sure you've got lots of other thoughts. Absolutely. Journaling is such a key one. And Nigel, if I may take your, your idea a step further, even um, the idea of double journaling um, is something that uh, um, a writer, yeah. Jenny Moon's commented on, actually, where you do your initial journaling and then you come back to it maybe a month, a week later, and then you reflect on what your initial reflections were. You know, you and I are both aware of a number of different sort of learning cycles, if you like, you know, models of how you might do reflection. But quite a lot of them start with that idea of you have an experience and that could be a, mm. a big thing like work experience. It could be making your dinner and you yeah. Yeah, tasting yeah, yeah. that dinner. Yeah. Um, and then you start to look at it and you start to have a spontaneous interpretation of you know, what are your initial thoughts. And this could be mm. where journaling in particular is very helpful. You know, write down all the words on a bit of paper that come to your mind when you're thinking about it. Then you start to process that experience and, and hypothesize it, if you like, you know, think about how you might put some logic or analysis into it and ask yourself why that, why every answer you come to, keep mm, going, mm, why? Mm. So you're getting deeper and deeper. Um, and then the real key part, the absolute essence of reflection is you've got to have a way to move forward with it. So you look at that. And then you, you think, how am I going to change moving forward? But then you yeah. go a step further and you actually practice that change. So you have yes. another experience, you do another work placement, you cook another dinner, whatever it might be that, that you're doing. 
you're right. I'm a, you and I discuss so often, you know, that I'm a, such a massive fan of learning by doing. And But that whole thing of actually stopping and thinking, what did I try? What went well? What didn't go so well? What can I learn from? Going back to another episode where we talked about the importance of, uh, you know, of, of learning through things you're, things you're doing. It also strikes me, Fran, it takes me back to that thought of almost paying attention to things as well. Again, one of the things about coaching often, we often talk about that is staying in the present with people. Actually learning to pay attention and really observe what's going on. You know, it's a great, it's a great thing to then reflect on afterwards. Well, what I really noticed was, quacky, they seemed to get really emotional at that point in the present. I wonder what triggered that. You know, and actually jotting that down afterwards and thinking, oh yeah, you know, they, you know, often, often you notice people, don't they? You know, they either get very excited about something, again, their body language, or they get, Perhaps they think, oh, I think they're embarrassed about that. But almost learning to notice and then reflecting on that perhaps is something quite helpful. Um, you know, um, Nigel, that makes me think of one of the exercises I am um, in a non-COVID world do with some of my students where we have a box of chocolates, you know, uh, <laughs> one way it's multiple different chocolates. And we ask them to pick a chocolate, look at it, smell it, touch it, you know, poor things. <laughs> We're desperate to eat it. And then finally to eat it and at each stage, write down what they're thinking, what they're going through, um, what their process is to bring something that you just do so mindlessly into mm. the, the forefront of, of the present. And, you know, um, Dewey again says that reflection isn't just a haphazard mulling over, it's bringing it forward. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? As you say, so it goes, which really takes us back to your thought of almost there's a cycle here, almost there's, there should always be a next step. So almost, and what do I do with that? So as you say, it's not reflection for reflection's sake, but for everyone listening here thinking, what do I take from that? Or did you say like an experience? Oh, I try cooking a different dinner or I tried going to, you know, down to a, a different part of town or I tried, I tried mixing, meeting up with a couple of other different friends. I don't often meet, you know, but what does that experience, what's that experience like? In other words, what's the next step I'll, I'll try on the basis of that? Absolutely. And it could be, you know, just going back to the practical that, the, that, that mm. our listeners could do here, you know, journaling is a great one. If you have an experience, if you're doing work experience placement of any kind, keep a really great diary of yeah. it because I promise you, you'll forget. And, you know, when you go to those job interviews and everyone says to you before, and have you prepared? And you sit there thinking, I don't know what it means to prepare for a job interview. You know, it means going back and having a look at those notes. Um, but also talking about things, the, the power of discussion yeah. with your peers yeah. and perhaps with people who aren't involved in the legal sector as well, um, who can challenge you and give, give new perspectives and then, and then ask you about that experience. I think that always enriches it, Fran, because then you've got breadth of perspective as well. So actually, if you can build into reflection points of view, as you say, from the community, I mean, you mentioned that word community near the beginning, the group, you know, but if you can extend your group almost, you know, be linked into another group, then that must be a good thing too. One last thing, um, but I really want to stress to, to listeners on reflection, I think, Nigel, if I may, is that this isn't a fad. This is not something that's going to come and go. This is not a buzzword. It is a fundamental core part of what makes us human. And yeah. if we can master reflection in our personal lives, it helps us in our professional lives and vice versa. You know, it's something that you will be doing. It's just about bringing it to the forefront and going a bit further in how you're doing it um, to get real value from the process. I think that's right. And frankly, in my experience, it, you know, ranging from things like helping you achieve the goals you set, reducing stress, you know, all the things it's, you know, because someone says, oh, how do I feel less stress? Well, actually doing things like reflection, actually stopping and thinking, having a replan, having a point of view from someone else. Always very useful. OK, well, I think that probably brings this episode to a conclusion. Thanks so much for listening and don't forget to reflect. 
So Simon, um, today's episode, we're going to focus on personal brand and impact, aren't we? And, and I think this is a really important area as well, to have a really clear idea of how you'd like to be perceived by others and the impact that you really have in, in your interactions. Um, and there's a lot here, I think, to talk about, um, whether it's about, you know, who, who you're in front of or who, who you're trying to influence, um, how you're trying to work with other people who might have different perspectives to you and how you adapt your style to um, making sure actually you strike the right balance between adapting your style and, and being yourself, you know, being genuine and being authentic. Um, and, and it can be quite a tricky balance to, to strike, especially when you're going into a new environment. Um, and you don't know the characters and, and you, know, you might have a certain assumptions that you're holding around how you should be or how you should um, portray yourself. Um, and striking that right balance between you know, being yourself, being authentic, but also creating the right impact with those around you um, is, is, is quite a tricky one. Uh, what, what would you say would be the kind of key things that... Um, we should be talking about today around personal brand and impact. Yeah, I, th I think you make some really good points. One of the pieces that really stands out for me, Terry, there is that authenticity piece. Mm. You know, and, and particularly in a in an increasingly consumerist society, authenticity is so important. You know, we're so used to all being sold to. Yeah, we kind of see through that. You know, that spin really quickly. So authenticity is hugely important. Um, so I think that's a really good something. Very, definitely, we, we should talk a little bit more about and I think one of the best definitions I've ever heard about kind of personal brand and impact is for you to think about what do you want people to say about you when you're not in the room mm. you know and, and that's the you know and, and that could be you know hugely authentic and whatever it happens to be or but but that, that's the, the mindset to, to take when when people talk about personal brand and impact I think it's about what do you want people to say about you uh, when you're you know, when you're not around? You know, so when they're talking behind your back, what is it that they are that saying about you? And, and you can control that, and you can control that through how you interact and behave with people. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and and in terms of what you do, and and so for me, that kind of gets the heart of it. And, and I think whatever you do, to your point, Kerry, it needs to be authentic. So it needs to be the real you how you position it and present it is a choice and you control that but it definitely should be authentic i would absolutely agree with with everything you said at the beginning and i think sitting at the heart of that are your are your values aren't they you know it, it's it's what do you stand for um how how do you want to live your you know live your life in, in and what what's the right way in your own mind um to go about things and so making sure that you are connected with that sort of value system so that you can really understand what that authentic you really is um, and how you want to position yourself in, in the broader context. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, just, sorry, Kira, I think it's such yeah. a good point that you've made there. And, and it, it references to one of the other skills podcasts we've got, which is about that self-awareness. Yes. You yeah. know, you, you're coming back to your values. You need some what's important to you you know, and that drives every. That should absolutely. If you think, if you think right back to when we first started creating these podcasts, it all starts with you. You know, yeah. who are you? Yeah. What's important to you? That shapes the kinds of organisations that you approach, the culture of the organisation you're looking for, because it, it it provides a culture 
where your values are respected and valued and therefore you can be you and you can be authentic yeah. so there's such yeah. kind of intersectionality i think around this uh, this piece which is why it's such an important topic so sorry to interrupt Carrie, but i thought it was such a great point that you made mm. I, I think it really highlights how critical this is to to, to be so aware of this and, and to really make sure you're representing yourself mm. in a way that you are happy with and, and aligns to your values. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think it by doing so, you will naturally, as you said, naturally find the right fit for you, whether that's you know the people you're working with, your type of organizational culture. Um, but it, it's also critical to the kind of relationships that you can build. Um, and, and we talked a little bit about um, emotional intelligence and self-awareness in, in a previous episode as well. I think all of this kind of links up, doesn't it? Um, and it's having, um, having that perspective of how you interact with others to build relationships, to achieve things in, in your life, whether that's at work or, or, or otherwise. Um, yeah. And creating those relationships so you've got that support network around you. Um, and by, again, by being, by being yourself, by being authentic, then people will respect you, buy into you, um, yep. and you're more likely to be able to influence them um, as well and, and collaborate. So it's, it's almost a, a central hub to all of the skills we're talking about as part of this, yep. this um, skills series. I, 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 I think that's absolutely right, Kerry. And it, so, in a funny kind of way, it's it's uh, this is about awareness of yourself, uh, and then using lots of the skills that we've talked about in this series to make sure that you come across and, and in a way that is authentic to you and enables you to achieve what what you're looking to um, a, a achieve. Mm. And, and just by kind of way of example of what is inauthentic. And I just thought that might be quite useful to talk about. And I'll, I'll reference a, an example I've seen far too many times over far too many years, and that's on assessment centers. Mm. And in most assessment centers, there's some form of group exercise. Uh, and what I see too many people making the mistake of is thinking, uh, well, I, I need to be loud and I need to be heard. So, so they kind of and stand out. And so they just talk over people and they just talk for the sake of it. That's not them being authentic. That's them doing, behaving in a way that they think is needed. And so often is the case. It's those people who periodically speak up, but whenever they speak up, it really resonates and um, moves the group forward. They're the people who are being true to themselves and being authentic. So I, I, I just thought it might be useful to share examples of the other end of authenticity because it's it, it could be a bit of a nebulous word um, yeah. that, that people might come across. But I think it's it's all about being true, understanding yourself, uh, and and being true to yourself, and then uh, adapt to not changing who you are, but adapting the way that you communicate, uh, position yourself, what you talk about, yeah. um, so that you have the impact that you want to. You're absolutely right. I think that's a really great example there. Um, and, and a lot of it comes from pressure, isn't it? You know, pressure to be seen to be something that you think you need to be seen yeah. to be rather than actually being yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think that yeah. there are some, there's, there's some key almost attributes, I suppose, that, that, you, that, that it's helpful to think through when trying to work through how you 
um, create the impact that you're you're trying to achieve. Um, so I think you picked up on a, on a couple of these things. So you know how you communicate, um, and that how you communicate is going to differ depending on the circumstance, depending on the context as well. Who you're who you're talking to, who you're whether you're trying to influence, whether you're just trying to share information. Um, you know I think it's it, it, it's absolutely a key skill, um, and the degree to which you're you know, needing to be assertive in a certain situation versus take a back seat. So all of these things can be built into examples when you're talking about um, your experiences as part of an interview process, for example, of how you've adapted your style around communication to keep, keep yourself true to yourself, but making sure that you're um, adapting that communication style to suit the context that you, that you find yourself in. Um, yeah. And that there are other things around, you know, the interactions with people that um, build your brand. So, for example, you know, how organized are you? How reliable are you? Um, you know, what kind of quality work do you put out there? You know, have you got the, I mean, in the legal sector, especially if you've got the attention to detail <laughs> that is absolutely at the heart of, of, of what lawyers do? You know, it's a key, key skill. Um, and just framing those kind of um, attributes in in um, in what you know in, in how you're going to come across to others is really important. Having that in your mind's eye. As we kind of move to wrap this one up, I, I, I think there's two things for for me. Just reflecting on what you've just talked about there, impact isn't a noisy, loud thing. You can have impact in in lots of different ways. Um, and the other piece that you you you, you said there is. Just be someone who does what they say they're going to do. Yes. Yeah. Whatever that is, yeah. just do what you say you're going to do. That's one of the best ways to build a reputation and have impact is just be someone who always does what they say they're going to do. Yeah, that's a great way to round it off, actually, Simon. Thanks very much. Yeah.